Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to Christ the King. My name is Penny, and I am the pastor here. It is uh, great to see you this morning uh, as we gather for worship. And, and though uh, it's disappointing that we uh, cannot participate in a baptism this morning, that does mean I get an extra 15 or 20 minutes to discern. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's going to be the same. Uh, well, I, it is good to see you. Um, if you are a guest or visitor and I haven't had an opportunity to meet you, I would love to meet you after the service and welcome you uh, because we are thankful that you're here with us. Um, this morning, we are going to be looking at Psalm uh, 46, Psalm 46, so you can turn there in your Bibles. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the chair in front of you. I'd invite you to turn there. Uh, it's always good for us to have a copy of God's word open before us as we come to his word, as we seek to study it. And so we're going to be looking at Psalm 46 this morning. And, and in Psalm 46, we have something in the psalm that we didn't have in the psalm last week. And so I just want to take a moment before we jump into the reading of God's word to just point out a couple things to help orient us as we're reading through the psalms and looking at them. So there are two unique things about Psalm 46 that we didn't see last week. The first is that phrase, Selah. I'm sure that uh, many of you have noticed that before as you've read through the Psalms. We see it at the end of verse 3, 7, and 11. And maybe you've wondered why it's there. It's in italics, it's offset. You know, do I say Selah, Selah? Uh, is it, you know, what, what does this mean? And it's simply just a musical notation. So that's what most interpreters think. That Selah is a musical uh, notation indicating to the musicians that they are to pause. So um, I, I think that we call this, you know, in our modern musical scores, a rest, right? Like, I don't read music, but I'm pretty sure that that's what they're called, right? It's just simply a rest. It's a time when the, uh, the pianist or the, the, uh, the guitarist or whomever would stop for a moment. That's all that it is, Selah. It's simply a rest. So that's the first thing I want to notice as we're reading through. The second thing is at the very beginning. So if you look just to the right of number of 46, it says 46, and then we have these words in small caps. Do you see those? If they're in your Bible, it says, to the choir master of the sons of Korah. Um, now, now these are in small caps, and they're uh, verse number zero in our English Bibles. But in the Hebrew Bible, this is verse number one. See, this is actually part of the original Hebrew Bible. This is part of the, what we call the Masoretic text. And that's significant because it's actual scripture. So this is different than in, in my Bible, in the ESV, there are words that say, God is our fortress in bold letters right above the 46. Maybe some of your Bibles say that as well. Okay, that is an interpretation by the English translator to help give us a theme for the, uh, for the psalm. That's not part of the Bible, <laughs> right? That's not in the original text. But this title, To the Choir Master of the Sons of Korah, According to Alamoth, a Song, it is part of the Hebrew text. And this is important for us because oftentimes it's in the titles that we are given the historical context of a psalm. It tells us what, were, what was the situation that was taking place that caused David or the sons of Korah or someone else to write this psalm. But it doesn't only give us the historical context. In fact, that's actually very rare that it does. More times, it gives us simply the author. Who is it that wrote it? So a psalm of David or the sons of Korah or Asaph. 
And that's what we're told here, that the sons of Korah are the ones who wrote this psalm. And what they're writing to tell us, what we're going to see, is the reason why, as we experience life circumstances and situations, why we can have courage, why we can have trust, why despite our fears, we need not fear. So let's go ahead and read Psalm 46. We will read verse 0, since it is part of the Hebrew Bible. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. For God, our King, you are our refuge and you are our strength, you are our might, and it is in you that we place all of our trust. It is in you that we place all of our hope, and so we pray that as we come to this portion of your word, that you would do that again, that you would strengthen our trust, that you would show us that you are our fortress, and that you would allow the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts to please you, to give you glory, because you are our God. You are our king, and we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we begin this morning, I want to begin with a question. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about a time when you have feared. A thing that has occurred in your life that has caused you fear when you've been afraid. Those times that your heart rate gets up when your blood pressure starts to boil, when you're filled with anxiety. I want you to think about a time like that. The truth is, is that no matter how strong you are, no matter how confident you are, no matter how sure you are of your gifts or your abilities or of the situation even before you, the truth is, is that we have all been afraid. We've all been filled with anxiety. So what are those times that you felt anxiety? What are those times that you have experienced fear? As I read through the psalm and I came to verse 2, and I read, the earth gives way, the mountains moved into the heart of the sea, waters roar and foam, mountains trembling at its swelling. I couldn't help but think that would be fear-inducing. I mean, the mountains giving way, the earth trembling before your feet. It reminded me of when Kat and I were living in St. Louis when we were in seminary, and we were asleep in our little apartment, and we were awoken in the middle of the night because the, the pictures on our wall were rattling and they were shaking. 
And at first we weren't sure what it was, but it turned out that there had been an earthquake just outside of the city of St. Louis, and we were feeling the aftershocks, the tremors that were going through. And, and we had moved from South Carolina. We weren't used to the earth moving below our feet. And though, though it was rather minor, right, the, the pictures just shook. They never even fell off the walls, and, and not, no destruction came to the city or to us or to our friends. It was still a little unsettling. I mean, the earth moved. Like, the earth isn't supposed to move, right? I'm supposed to walk, and it's supposed to be firm, and yet it shook beneath us. It was a little unsettling. It was a little fear-inducing. Right? It caused a little bit of worry. Like, is this going to be the norm? Like, we, we didn't move to California. We're living in the Midwest. It's supposed to be stable. And for, it, it started to give us a little bit of fear. And though probably many of us haven't actually experienced the earth moving below our feet, we have all experienced seismic shifts in our lives. Right? When the doctor calls and says that the test is positive, it makes it feel like the earth is giving way, doesn't it? When your boss shows up at your office and says, today's your last day and here's security to escort you out. It feels like the mountains are trembling. Right? When, when you have that relationship that you thought was so firm, so solid, and it turns out to be broken beyond repair. It feels like the waters are roaring and the storm is raging. We know what it's like to have these seismic fears, these seismic shifts in our lives occur. And when they occur, we worry and we scramble and we fear. And that's expected, right? Like, that's expected when we experience those sorts of situations and circumstances. It's, it's normal for us to become a little anxious, a little bit nervous, a little worried, Right? It's normal for us to have fear about our health or, or our finances or our relationships. That is normal. But, but what will we do when we experience those fears? Well, did you hear what the psalmist said? Before he said the earth gives way and the mountains move into the heart of the sea and waters roar and foam, he said we will not fear. Even though these things happen, we will not fear. How can he say that? Now what I... I don't think he's saying is that fear won't arise. I don't think that he's simply saying that fear is not real. Like, like if you just kind of man up enough, if you grit your teeth enough, then, then in these situations, fear will never come up. I don't think that's what he's saying because in other Psalms, we actually have the psalmist speaking of fear. Like in Psalm 56, David says, when I am afraid, when I am afraid, you see, the truth is, friends, is that the Bible generally and the Psalms specifically are well aware of our emotions. It doesn't ignore the realities that we experience. Instead, what the Psalm is seeking to do is to orient and direct and inform these emotions towards the Lord. You see, in Psalm 56, David says, when I fear, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. I put my trust in you. He trusts in the Lord. And that's what Psalm 46 is calling us to do. Did you hear it in verse 10? It's, 
interesting. I don't know if you'd notice this as we're reading along, but the first nine verses are the sons of Korah. But then in verse 10, God himself speaks. And what does God say? He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. To be still means to be quiet. It means to quiet our souls. It means to rest. Right? To, to rest when everything in us wants to busy ourselves, right? Because in those times of worry and anxiety, what do we do? Well, we start filling ourselves with things to do, right? We start doing house projects or we start Googling what is what happened to my finger and what happened to my, you know, and we start worrying about all these different things that happen, right? We start filling our days and our moments so we don't have to think about that worry and that fear. But the psalmist says rest. The psalmist says be quiet. Right? When everything in us wants to scream in those times to rest, to be quiet, you know what that is? It's trust. It's trust that I don't have to know how this will work out. It's trust to know, to say that I don't have to scream. I don't have to be active. I don't have to be moving forward. I simply need to be still and to know that I am not God. To be still and to know that he is God. You see, to trust in this way, to be still and to be quiet, is, is to know that God is not resting. That God is not quiet. That's why we can be. We can be still because God is not. You see, that's why we can trust him. Because God is not still. Instead, what he is doing is he is protecting his people what we see in this psalm that that god is the protector of his people that's what verse one told us right god is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble you see the psalmist is confident in god's protection because god has protected them in the past but also he's confident that god will protect them in the future he's protected them in the past now, we're not 100% certain about the circumstances or the, the historical situation that came about to bring about this psalm. We're not 100% sure, but, but many have speculated that this psalm was written in response to God's deliverance of his people. And when we think of God's delivering of his people in the Old Testament, what do we think of? The great deliverance, the great salvation. We think of the Exodus, right? And that's where we should go in our minds. But, but actually, in this passage, what we think is, is that the sons of Korah are singing of another deliverance, one that came many years after the Exodus. You see, there was another time when Assyria, Assyria, which was the like superpower of the ancient Near East, they were led by a king named Sennacherib. And Sennacherib was going about throughout the ancient Near East, and he was laying waste to all the nations around him. He was sacking and destroying cities and killing and enslaving thousands. And, and he had attacked and been victorious over the northern kingdom. So you remember in our historical books that, that Israel had split. It had divided between the north and the south. And so Assyria and Sennacherib, they come down and they destroy the northern kingdom and they enslave them. But that's not enough for them. They keep heading south. And they start knocking at the border of the southern kingdom, and they are ready to sack Jerusalem. You can read about this in 2 Chronicles 32 or Isaiah 36. There we have descriptions of Sennacherib coming with thousands upon Jerusalem. And, and when he comes, the king of the southern king, kingdom, Hezekiah, this is what he said to the people. 
He said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Do you hear what he's saying? You don't have to be afraid of this nation that is coming upon us. You don't have to be afraid of this horde, of this battle, of this king, because we have the Lord, our God, on our side. And Hezekiah turns and he goes into the temple and he prays to God. And we're told in Isaiah 37 that after his prayer, the angel of the Lord, the angel, one angel of the Lord, comes against Sennacherib and 185,000 Assyrians were decimated. And Sennacherib and this superpower, they left in shame. That the Lord had protected his people. That is why the psalmist can say, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That is why he can say, the Lord of hosts, that phrase, the Lord of hosts, is a military title. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is our fortress. He protects his people from their enemies. He protects his people against dangers, against those who attack. You see, the psalmist is looking back to the way that God had delivered and protected his people, and that causes him to have trust today. And so do we. We don't look back and see God's defense against a warring nation, but what we do see is God's defense, his protecting his people against judgment. You see, God went to war and defended his people against sword and spear, but, but in the cross, God took war upon himself. In the cross, God took sword and spear upon his son, and in doing so, he protects us. He delivers us from the judgment, from the punishment that we are deserving. That is what he has done for us. That he has saved us from the wrath of God. And he has done it through his son. He has protected us. And if he's willing to give his son to protect and to defend us, then how can we not trust him today? How can we not trust him when it feels like the earth is giving way and the mountains are falling into the sea? See, the psalmist <clears throat> excuse me, is reminding us of God's protection in the past, but he's also giving us a picture of his protection in the future. Look at verse 9. He says he makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And this is looking towards the future. And it's very reminiscent of Isaiah chapter 2. And in Isaiah chapter 2, the prophet Isaiah has a picture of, of what, what's going to occur when God consummates his kingdom forever. And in Isaiah 2, the prophet writes, God shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore what a wonderful day that is what a beautiful picture spears turned into pruning hooks swords into plowshares. The instruments of war will be used for the in, as instruments of farming. What a beautiful picture. 
Can you imagine that, that, that there is a day coming when God's benevolent rule and his gracious reign will lay waste to war and we will have no longer need for, for sword or for spear or for chariot or for bow or for gun or for army. What a beautiful day that is. But I have to tell you that it's almost hard to imagine, isn't it? I mean, because, because violence and war, like, it's such a part of our daily experience. Not, maybe not our personal experience, but we go on the news, we go on the internet, and we see wars in far-off places. And we see violence in our own nation and in our own state, just few hours away and in our own city. And so to think that there is a day coming when that will be no more, it seems almost unfathomable, doesn't it? And yet... And yet, God will protect his people in such a way that, that what seems to be impossible to us will become possible. That what seems unfathomable to us will be certain. That's what he is telling us, that there is a day when violence and war and destruction will be such a distant, hazy memory that it will feel like the fuzzy remnants of a dream. I think this is what it was once like. No more war, no more bow, no more spear. That is the protection that God will give us. And that's what motivates us to trust him today because of his protection in the past and in the future. But, but it's not simply his protection that causes us to trust him. It's also his presence. It's his presence. Did you see the repeated refrain in our passage in verses 11 and, or excuse me, 7 and 11? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, when we think about God and his power, his might, it's easy for us to conceive of him in that way, right? That he is powerful, he is strong, he is the defender. It's easy for us to think of God that way because if he is not God, then if he's not strong and powerful, then what kind of God is he? But when we think of him in that way, it's easy for us also to think of him as very distant and he only shows up when the situation is dire. But do you hear what the psalmist told us? He said that the God of angel armies, the Lord protector and defender, he does not leave his people to themselves, but he is with us. He is near to us. Do you notice that that's the only part of the psalm that's repeated? That's the refrain that's repeated. It's repeated twice. And that's actually very interesting. It's important because remember the psalms are poetry. And a poetic device is repetition. And repetition is used oftentimes as a way of, of drawing our attention to something or emphasizing something. And in this psalm, this is the line that we are to continue to turn back to. It's like the chorus in a song. Remember last week I said the psalms were sung? It's like the chorus, right? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We keep returning to it again and again. And I started to think about this, like, why this line? Like, why not God is our refuge and strength? Why isn't that the line that is repeated? Right? Why, why not there's a river whose streams flow that make this city glad? Why, why not that? Why is it this line, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress, that the psalmist wants us to remember, to hear again and again? Well, as I was thinking about that, it, it struck me. 
And then maybe the reason we need to hear this again and again is because it's so easy for us to forget. It's so easy for us to think that we're actually alone. Right? I mean, those moments when it feels like the earth is giving way beneath our feet, and when it feels like the mountains are crumbling and life is breaking apart, it's easy to feel alone in those times, isn't it? Like maybe God is off and he's worrying about someone who's way more important than me and he's dealing with some situation way more important than mine. He isn't really all that concerned. Sure, he was with me when he saved me. Sure, he was with me in that moment when I first believed, but, but now, I mean, you felt that, haven't you? And of course you have. Psalmists have. The psalms are filled with that kind of language. In one of the psalms, the psalmist asks, has God forgotten? Has his love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end? In essence, is he really with us? We felt that. And it is in those moments we need to hear and we need to remember that the Lord of hosts is with us. He hasn't forgotten. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He hasn't left us to ourselves. See, friends, I think the promise, the, the promise of the Bible that is probably the most comforting to me, the most soothing, the most assuring is the promise made to Joshua and repeated in Hebrews, the promise when God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he says that to you if you are trusting in Christ. He says that to us as his people. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am always with you. I mean, we know what that's like, right? To be comforted by someone in our fear, right, kids? When the storms wake you in the middle of the night, kids, when, when uh, you are awoken by a nightmare, by a bad dream, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? You want mom and dad sitting on your bedside. You want mom and dad wrapping their arms around you and whispering in your ear, it's going to be okay. I'm with you. I'm here. You're not alone, right? That's what we want to hear. And kids, I, I have to tell you that every single adult who is sitting around you wants to hear the exact same things. We want that comfort that comes with the presence of someone who loves us and cares for us. In our times of worry and fear and anxiety, what we want to hear is, I am with you. And God, out of his grace and out of his mercy, he often uses one another to fulfill that, to be that comfort and that presence, but he gives us an even greater presence than ourselves, than each other. He gives us himself. I mean, Jesus himself, right? What was he called? Emmanuel, God with us. And when he went away, what did he say? I go away so that the comforter, the Holy Spirit would come and be with you. And what did he declare as some of his parting words? Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. He is with us. He does not leave us or forsake us. The Lord of hosts is with us. And if you are trusting in Christ, he is always with us. Look at verses 4 and 5. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. 
God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Do you hear how the roaring and the foaming of the waters is replaced now with a river? A river that is calm and peaceful. A river that makes the inhabitants of the city glad. And it is that way because God is present in that city. He is in the midst of her. Now, it would be easy for us to think that the psalmist is speaking of Jerusalem, but he's speaking of something much greater than Jerusalem. Because you see, there wasn't a river that flowed through the center of Jerusalem. There wasn't a river that made the city glad. He's looking forward to a day, a, a, a city, a place where there will be a river that runs right through the center of the city, a future city, a future habitation, a future place where God will dwell with his people. That's what we're given in Revelation 22. The Apostle John, he writes this as the picture of the new heavens and the new earth. He writes that the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. His name will be on our foreheads. We are his and he is ours. He will dwell in our midst and we will dwell with him in the holy city of God forever and ever. The covenantal refrain is God will be our God and we will be his people. And that will come to fruition in that day when that river will fl flow through the city. And it will make the city glad because we will live with our God. And he will not leave us nor forsake us. We will dwell with him. And friends, that is why in the midst of our fears today, that is why when the mountains give way, that when the seas roar, that is why we can lay our fears aside and we can trust him. Because not only has he protected us in the past and not only will he protect us in the future, but he is with us. And he will always be with us. He will be our God and we will be his people and we will trust him. Amen. Our God, our Father, we do thank you that by your grace and by your power, by your mercy and by your strength, by your love, you have showered us with care and goodness. That you have been our protector of old. We see it in the cross. And that you are our protector for the future. That you are present with us today and all of our days and forevermore and we long for that and so we ask that you would help us that you would remind us of your powerful protecting that you would remind us of your presence so that when fears arise when mountains fall into the heart of the sea when the earth gives way we will not fear but we will trust not in ourselves but in our god who protects and is present with us and we pray in your name, God's people said, Amen.